0: Mindfulness mode, 224. Since you find yourself out of your normal comfort zone, and all, you know, all the behaviors and habits that you use it to normally get by as a leader, when they no longer really have any relevance, it can be incredibly
1: growthful. You're listening to today's episode of Mindfulness Mode. I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Great to have you listening, as always. Well, you know what? You can reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on today's Mindfulness Mode. Last time, I was with Ben Foley, who left his six-figure job in New York City to pursue his talent, which turned out to be Writing. And that was only a few months ago. Now he's a top writer. If you haven't heard that episode, check it out. It's number 223, mindfulnessmode.com slash 223. I want to share a couple of comments listeners have left on iTunes. Brad from Unlimited Revolutionaries said, these are very important topics with great guests. Be mindful, fill your head, then empty your mind. DSalt00 said, Hi, Bruce. Great show about mindfulness and being present. Love it. Well, you know what? If you would be kind enough to go to iTunes and leave a comment, a review, that would really help me. It would really help the show. Thank you in advance if you get a chance to do that. Do you ever feel like you could use more adventure in your life? Do you wonder why you're here, what life's all about? Well, today's guest may be the perfect person to help you. He's an artist, an adventurer, and curiosity, clarity, and creativity are three values that characterize his work. Sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to Simon Crowe. I am really excited today to have Simon Crowe with me. Hey, Simon, are you in mindfulness mode? Uh, I absolutely am, yeah. It's great to connect with you, Simon. I want to share a bit with Mindful Tribe about who you are and what you do, Simon. Simon Crow teaches, coaches, mentors, inspires people, and helps them come alive. I love that. He takes people on life-changing adventures into their heart and soul and helps them connect to their deepest purpose. His passion is creating partnerships with influential entrepreneurs, leaders, and humanitarians. And he co-creates visions that positively impact the world. And he's currently working on publishing a co-authored book of true life stories called Thresholds, which describes moments when people have found the courage and insight to change the course of their lives. So you lead a pretty exciting life. I love how you're helping others and really influencing those that you come into contact with. Tell me, Simon, what does mindfulness mean to you? How do you live mindfulness in your life? Well, I I think
0: I I first started living more mindfully about 10 years ago when I first had a coaching session. Um, I was in a job I didn't really enjoy and was pretty miserable, actually, but didn't really know how to get out of it. And I had uh, a two-hour conversation with a woman called Jane, who's still a great friend of mine. Um, And I spoke to her. She asked me, what do you really want in this world? What would you really like to create? And I spoke to her for about two hours. And at the end of it, I was exhausted. And she said to me, Simon, you've just spoken for two hours about all the things that you don't want. And it was really interesting for me because in that moment, I realized that I wasn't making the choices that I thought I was. It was, re- it was a really big, op- you know, mind-opening moment when I realized that I wasn't making the choices that were, if you like, going to, going to create the life that I wanted. And for me, the, the really sort of simple definition of, of mindfulness is just is being aware that you're aware. So it's the, it's the waking up to the understanding that there's, there's a subject, and object in the mind. There's a conversation going on. So there's the part of the mind, the brain, which is, which is sensing the world, and then there's the part of the, the, the brain, the mind, which is observing that part of the brain, which is sensing. And the moment in which you realize there's a separation and you can actually choose which of those voices you want to align with, you want to start to listen to, that's when I think you start to get greater choice. And so for me, mindfulness is about just making choices, is about being aware of my thinking, it's about where, being aware of um, my my habits, um, my non, well, my unconscious thinking and then choosing perhaps a better way or a different way of thinking, one that's more suited to what I what it is that I want to create in any in any moment. So it's about just, I think, cultivating an awareness of what's happening on the inside right. and making choices from that point.
1: And so you help others find this awareness as well and how do you do that how do you help them come to this realization that they can make a positive difference
0: it's a, re- it's a really good question because for me and th- we can only change things that we're aware of and and, and some people are already aware you know it all come already come to me with uh, with an understanding of this dialogue and, and making a choice and, and being more conscious and other people it's just it's just like i was 10 years ago it's that moment of i'd never given that any thought um, and so it's really about listening to the language that they, that they use. Um, you know, I'll often hear my clients talking from the perspective of being a victim, almost as if the world happens to them. And um, when I hear that kind of language, then I can start to offer them an alternative, which is more being more of a creator. When you realize that, again, you're, you're creating your experience by choosing the thoughts and the actions that come from, come from those thoughts So what I do is I listen and I give people awareness. And from that place of awareness, they can make different
1: choices for themselves. And I know you're a painter and that's part of your awareness. And I just I'm fascinated in that. How long have you been a painter and how does that help you reach into yourself and to connect with your own mindfulness, your own thoughts? That's such a great question. So how long have I been a painter? Um, Probably all of my life.
0: How long have I been painting? Uh, Probably six or seven years. Uh, again, it was this again a wonderful moment, a realization that a painter. Um, I'd grown up believing that a painter or an artist was somebody who has a, had a technical skill, so rather like a draftsman. So if they saw an object, they could get a pencil and they could create a, an impression of that object, and then they would there would be a likeness. Well, I don't have that skill, so I'd written myself off as being creative, um, and then I realized actually, for me, create, creativity, creation is just an expression. It's just filling a space. So I started to, to do that. I, used, I, so I started with getting a canvas and paints and just let myself go completely free. Um, I now paint with my hands most of the time. I don't use brushes very often any longer. I like to use objects that are lying around and just dip those in the paint and draw things around. And it starts to become almost like a dialogue. So how do I choose the paints or the colors that I'm going to use? What do I, how do I choose the, the colors that go next to each other? Well, it's almost just a, interacting. So it's like opening, a, a, if you like, a, a channel. Um, so it's not obstructed with my beliefs and, and um, assumptions or expectations about how something has to look. So it doesn't have to look like anything. So I'm just completely free to express myself. And then I just add the colors that seem to want to be to come together. And I just make the shapes and the patterns that are really cool. Um, and my art is incredibly free. I don't create it for anybody else. A lot of people make some really nice comments about the paintings that I make, but I'm not doing it for anybody else or any outcome other than the, the process, the experience of that connection with, the, with I guess, what, that part of me that wants to be seen, that wants to, to express itself
1: in that way. So when you first started seven years ago with, with painting, did that take courage to do that? It's, it's funny how, how, a, how
0: a piece of white canvas can be really daunting. Yes <laughs> it could be, know, be quite scary. Yeah it does it does start taking courage. It starts for me it was about giving myself permission. That's another big thing about awareness uh, about mindfulness for me is about giving yourself permission. So giving myself permission to fail, giving myself permission for it to not need to look like anything, giving myself permission to not try and impress anybody or elicit any particular you know reaction from anybody. It was really just about me and the canvas and the paints and whatever it is that I wanted to do.
1: And as you create more and more art, do you feel more connected to yourself? Do you feel like you're growing as a person because of it?
0: Well, I love the process of painting. I find it really exciting. It feels to me that I'm expressing a part of myself, which I perhaps didn't used to express for the reasons I explained. I'd kind of, I'd written myself off as being a, from being a creative person. So to express more of myself means I'm, I'm more creative in the relationships that I now have with people. My coaching is more creative. Um, the way that I do anything is more creative because I've now embraced that part of myself I'm a very creative person It doesn't look like what what other people how they create but this is how I create and I really enjoy that process and it gives me the confidence to, to create in lots
1: and lots of different ways right I really like what you're saying I went to Chicago last year to a conference and they had a like street art kind of sale that they had a lot of artists from around the country there and I met somebody that I really resonated with and I talked to him for about half an hour about mindfulness and how he was creating his art and I was so moved that as soon as I left the event I stopped and bought some canvases and I brought them home and I started painting and I don't do as much as maybe I would truly like to but i i think that question i ask about courage i think for me for some reason it takes courage too to to put that paint on the canvas and just keep going because like you say it has to be just something for you at least I feel that. Like I can't be doing it for someone else or I can't be worried about how it's going to look or anything. Just do it. So I really like what you said. Now, I know that with your your uh, book that you're working on, the co-authored book of True Life Stories, it's about courage and insight. I'm, I'm interested in that, some of the stories and some of the, the ways that you are connecting with the reader about courage. Can you share that with us? It's a, again,
0: it, you know, it's a really important question that, that when we were asking people to, to contribute a story, we were asking them to not try and, uh, and teach anything. So this isn't a coaching manual. It's nothing about how you should or shouldn't do something. It's nothing even about the insight of the individual who's written the story. What we asked people to do was to share their experience and trust that the reader would, would make sense of the story on their own. That they would, if you like, they would give meaning to the experience that the other person had had. Uh, and I think that's really important because if I think if we, if we start to tell people the meaning they need to give to something, maybe a painting or, or a story... Then what you're doing is limiting their ability to fully express that part of themselves. Um, so that was a really important part of this. Of this, and we we, we spent a lot a lot of time during the editing process because a lot of the people who have written stories are, are coaches or have got backgrounds in, in helping professions, and they all want to, to tell people what it is that they need to think or to feel, or, um, or this is what I found really works for me. And I think that, that what you're doing is you're denying somebody the opportunity to make their own sense, their own meaning, to explore their own inner dialogue. So what we've do, what we asked them to do is to write stories of an experience that they've had, a moment in which they've woken up to something, um, and just to share that so people can, can see their own experiences in the light of that, but not feel that they're influenced into thinking or feeling or, or making particular meaning of a story. And I think, that's what's, I think that's what's really exciting about this book, is that the stories are very open. They're just, they're just stories of people's true life experience, moments that had meaning for them. And maybe you'll find something in it for you. Maybe, there's a, maybe be, there'll be a, 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 a light shone on your own experience from my experience in which you can start to make meaning and learning. But I'm not necessarily going to tell you what that is. You find it for yourself.
1: Yes, I like that. Yes, well, you know, it takes courage in so many areas of our life to move forward and not get pulled down. And one of those areas is if you're bullied. And I've worked in this field for some time, as as we talked about before I hit record. Simon, do you have a story about bullying? Were you ever bullied? Or even as an adult, do you have a story that you could share with us? Well, I knew you were going to ask me this question. And so I've been doing some
0: reflection around it. Um, And it dawned on me that there were times when I was a young, young boy, uh, probably 12, 13, 14, when I was guilty of bullying other children. And I thought that rather than talking about someone else bullying me, I, I should talk about my own experience because we're talking about mindfulness. Right. And I realized that when I was 12 or 13, I would pick on the kid in the class. For whatever reason, whatever you know, whatever this person had been singled out for, whether yeah. it was because they wore glasses or they looked different or from a different background, and I would just join in the, the name calling, didn't give a moment's thought for the experience that that poor person was having, what the impact might have been on how they thought thought and felt about themselves. It was almost like they were just—I don't know—it felt it felt it very, felt very selfish. But that's only on reflection. I didn't feel selfish in that moment. I was just doing what everybody else was doing. And it's right. because I didn't have that awareness. I didn't have that, as I explained to you before, that moment of awareness of, there is two things going on here. There's the actions that I'm doing, but also there's also the ability to think about and assess whether those actions are ones that I really want to be engaged in whether it's something that they have the impact that I would be proud of. And clearly, I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed to, to have to tell this story. But it was a complete lack of, of mindfulness, of awareness in that moment that just I was just behaving automatically like all the other kids. Maybe it was about being accepted by the other kids. I don't think it's I don't I don't think that the, I felt threatened by the, the person, you know, the, the brunt of our jokes. I don't think it was for that reason. It was just really ignorance. I'd never given it a moment's thought. And now with the the awareness that I have now as an adult, I think about that was just that was that was just really poor behavior. That was just very selfish, mean, unconscious behavior. Um, And, you know, I, I have some regret around that now.
1: Well, I can share a story about a similar kind of thing. I grew up on a farm in here in Canada and someone moved in next door and so that was like across the field, you know, but we we would get on the school bus and I would see him and I have no idea why I I'd decided to bully that kid. And I said to my younger brother, "Come on, let's let's get this pea shooter." And you know, and I remember specifically that we got we got peas and a pea shooter and I said, "Well, let's hide and we'll shoot these peas at this kid." And like I don't know how old I was, maybe 9 or 10 or something like that. I'm not really sure, but I I have no idea why I I decided to do that or why I felt it was okay to do that. And like you, I feel a little bit embarrassed about... like Even when I remember that and why I did it. It it was very short-lived. It was really over a couple of days or something like that. And then I think possibly... My my mom found out about it or something and someone said, no, you really shouldn't be doing that. Do not treat another human being like that. And I didn't anymore. But I still remember it happening. And so I know how easily it can happen to someone and his children. Of course, children are learning their way and they're experimenting and trying to figure out what makes the world tick. And I'm sure it was the same with you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: what's interesting now, I have a 14-year-old daughter um so maybe a little older than I was you know when I was when I was engaging the behavior I've just described she has so much more awareness around bullying you know that the schools are doing so much more they're so much more proactive yes um and you know i think that when we were at school if you were bullied you were often the advice was just get on with it you know just just push through you're being almost like you the victim of bullying are the victim um Whereas it's, they, they seem, well, they clearly understood now that, that really, if you can give the people who, who are bullying, if you can give them greater awareness, help them to understand the impact of that. And my daughter's got a whole different vocabulary around the way she, that, that, you know, kids treat each other now, have a much greater understanding of that. So I'm glad to see that it's not just continuing. And, you know, it's funny, yeah. because of my, I told you, my, you know, my own mindfulness journey has been going on for about the last 10 years, when my daughter's uh, 14 now, so she's she's grown up in a in a household. I mean, we used to run a, a meditation group once a week in our home for four years. You know, she grew up each Wednesday sitting in a room full of people, um, not necessarily meditating, but certainly being in the space. And she has a much much greater awareness. And I'm really I'm really happy. And I, when I hear her talking about other kids at school, and and she's so much more sensitive. She's also a girl, but she's also much more sensitive around the, the kids at school and their feelings and and uh, yeah, it, it, it you know it's 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 great it's great to hear.
1: Yeah. Well, my son is 15. And it's very similar. He seems to have this sense of mindfulness that I wonder where it came from, but he'll say, you know, things like, dad, are you really letting your emotions control you or something? Like at, at a time when I, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I need to just take some time out. And I was just going to ask you about meditation. So you obviously believe in meditation. Can you share with Mindful Tribe what your meditation practice is like?
0: Well, I'd love to say that I, I sit in silence for an hour every day. Um, I have that intention, and I sit most days in meditation. Um, but for me, meditation is something which which happens all the time. It's something which has become such an ingrained part of my, of my practice. Um, I live in, in South London. It's quite urban where I live, but I live just across from a park. And every time I go to catch the underground train into the center of London, I walk across this park. And I love that. I love having that little three or four minutes as I walk across the park. I just remind myself to be in nature. There are certain trees that, that this trigger me to be completely present. It's really nice. Sometimes I just close my eyes and literally walk along this park, as I've done it so many times, um, with my eyes closed and, and, just, and feel where I am rather than look where I am. And it's really wonderful to hear my feet on the, on the, you know, on the paving stones. And if they go on the grass, I know I'm off the path. You know, I I can, I can feel the wind. I can, I can hear the different, the the distance I am from the traffic. And I love that process. So I find myself doing it more and more, you know, wherever I am, I catch the tube train, I sit well I stand often just in meditation. It's just a really nice way to, to go within, to be centered, to connect, to be calm, I meditate every time, before, you know, before a coaching call. So I just connect for three or four minutes with the person I'm going to have a conversation with, just to hear if, the, if you know, just to connect with my kind of my inner knowing, just to see if there's anything that I need to know about this particular person, anything that uh, I can draw from you know, a greater source than myself and bring into the, bring it into the conversation. I meditated, meditated before our conversation, you know, this afternoon because, again, just to just to make sure that when I sit down and speak to you, I'm I'm present, I'm I'm yeah, I'm in, in tune, I know what's going on in my body and my mind, and I'm I'm
1: kind of grounded, I'm centered and able to be present for you. Simon, I'm interested in the kind of coaching you do. Is it is it for people who have businesses, is it mostly personal mindset coaching? Can you share that with us?
0: Yeah, so I've coached for ten years, um, and over that time I've coached many, many different People in different contexts. What my passion is now, as, I, as as you said in the introduction, is taking people on wonderful journeys, um, and I do that both both metaphorically and physically. So I do quite a w- lot of work out in West Africa, in Liberia. Um, uh, I'm building a school out there at the moment in a small community uh, just outside Monrovia, um, and I take groups of leaders with me out to to Africa and give them an experience of themselves away from everything which is familiar and comfortable to themselves. You talk about being mindful. As soon as you find yourself out of your normal comfort zone and all all the behaviours and habits that you use to normally get by as a leader when they no longer really have any relevance, it can be incredibly growthful. And of course, we go there to make an impact on the people that we connect with. So for me, my, my passion at the moment, my passion project is around building a school in Liberia. I've never done it before. I don't have a blueprint for doing that, but I have a really strong, powerful vision of what it is I want to create. So the people I love to coach are people who are successful, have an understanding of of, um, what it's like to create something. They're resourceful. Um, They're people who have a network and understand, um, I guess, the, the ways that we can create things. But what they are often missing in their life is a sense of purpose. So when we talked about them coming alive, to me that's that's when they connect with a, a sense of purpose. I talk about, I joke about doing an, an MBA with with my clients, um, which is a master's in being alive, um, and it's really about that helping them to find more meaning. So connect with something which really opens their heart, um, makes them feel feel passionate. They give something back to the world. Uh, gives more meaning to their life and and i think that when people start to make choices for themselves from that place they live a more mindful existence and the positive positive ripple effect of that you know their relationships at home change their relationships with the people they work with change their neighborhood you know they become a much more uh positive uh, and and fulfilled and centered um center i guess center to their communities um, so that's what I really love to do and it's about mindset it's about helping people to shift the mindset into the belief and the knowledge that they can create whatever it is that they want they may not know the how but they believe that they can do it
1: and that's where we—that's our starting point so when you've taken a group of people to Africa on one of these trips can you share with us a specific experience of growth that has occurred mm.
0: so um, I was out there earlier this year Um, and one of the leaders that I was with, um, was really finding it difficult to make connection, very successful man. Um, but he just felt it really very difficult to make connection. Um, and we were out in Liberia and i just remember this really distinctly. We were once, um, in a, in a small village and this man, I won't use his name, started to just interact with the kids and they asked him if they could do some football training. Well, he didn't really know how to do football training, but he just took them through a process of exercises. And it was wonderful to go from one or two kids just to doing some press ups with him or whatever, to then seeing the whole of the, you know, all the boys from this village running around (laughs) this square, (laughs) um, stopping at different stations, doing squat, you know, squats and, and star jumps and things. And it was just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then at a certain moment, um cuz he was getting tired one of the one of the the bigger boys he had this conversation and said to this to this boy um, you take over now you know you take over you start to do this and he showed him how to do this and he stood there and we were now standing next to each other watching this whole thing going on and i said to him that's leadership and it it was like it was that moment when he realized that he was a really powerful leader he'd made that connection but because he'd been so present to what he was actually doing, he's just caught up in the activity and stopped thinking about it. Uh, to me, what had happened is the connection had gone from a head based connection to a heart based connection. And once that had been made, the, I mean, not just the trip had changed, but I know now that he's handed in his notice and to the job that he was doing. I mean, I'm talking about a very well paid and successful uh, career that he had. But just to feel that sense of connection and that to give so much more meaning to uh, what he does right
1: and connection is so important as we as we begin to wrap up i want to ask you five quick answer questions simon and the first one who is one person who has really really impacted your mindfulness in your li- life uh off the top of my head i'd say my wife stacy
0: um we met 7 years ago we've been married now for 3 years um and what she's been fantastic at is she I think she really encouraged me around my art, so she she kept you know got me out of my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. So she was wonderful. Um, she's had a meditation practice for many years also, um, and we support one another. So we you know we kind of we elevate one another all the time in that way. Our conversations are very conscious, very intentional. And I really appreciate having a partner in my life that, that I know is, is 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 either well is <laughs> is either ahead of me in somewhere and pulling me up, or or behind me in somewhere and I'm pulling them up. And I really love that that connection.
1: So I'm really grateful to have Stacy in my life. That's great. That's great, Simon. Tell us how mindfulness has affected your emotions, if it has.
0: Nice. That's a, a great a great question. Again, to me, an, an emotion is a, or a feeling is a word that we give to an awareness of a vibration and why that's important to me is it i've been reading a book called the untethered soul i love that book yeah well i'd never read it before by by michael singer i yes. think the author um and what i really appreciate about the book is he, he talks about um our emotions if we if we're scared of them when we then we live our lives trying to protect ourselves from our emotions and we create this incredible crazy and complex life Full of emotions and, and uh, you know emotional interactions. Whereas if we can just see our, our, our emotions as energy that that don't don't they don't mean anything to who we are. I talked about that that, that distinction between our kind of higher self and and that part of our mind that that ego driven mind. Um, so what I find myself doing now when I feel strong energy, I try not to label it as a particular emotion. I now let it rise up in my heart, in my chest. I let it I let it find a way out. It's almost like letting the, the, the I don't know, the, the gas bubbles in a bottle escape. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I suppress it or try to change my behavior or change the external world in some way, then all I'm doing is keeping that locked in. And so it just keeps returning, keeps returning. So how how mindfulness has really helped me is I've become much more aware of those energetic vibrations. Um, I'm, I've got a completely different relationship with them now. I get less fearful of them, and I now allow them to arise in their energetic form and not connect to the stories that I hold around those those energetic vibrations, those emotions, um, and just watch them pass. And it's been it's been wonderful. I mean, it's it's um, I feel so much more kind of resilient and able to deal with right. situations.
1: Right, mm. that's that's great. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I I have a series of affirmations I say
0: every day, and one of them is I breathe deeply in, in you know into my belly because to me again it's really important that we're grounding And I think you know I had a, I had a yoga teacher once who who said if we just if men just breathed properly into their bellies know 90% of the problems that we go to therapists around would be solved. You know, the, the breath is a fundamental connection. Um, obviously when I'm, when I'm meditating, it's, it's what I use as, if you like, as my focal point, I bring my awareness and my attention to my breathing. But breath is something which opens me, which expands me, which, which connects me to, to the, to the, you know, to the greater, the, the greater
1: Cosmos. I mean, you know, to me, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful, powerful tool. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. That's that's absolutely true. Well, you mentioned Michael Singer's book. I was going to say, if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would it be? And maybe that's it. But
0: well, it would be. But I'm reading two books at the moment. I've got this crazy thing. So I've got the the Unto the Soul on my on my phone. So I'm listening to that as an audio book, yeah. and I'm reading the physical book here called The Art of Living. Uh-huh. By Bob Proctor. Um, I don't think it was ever written as a as a mindfulness book, but just his capacity to describe what we've just that kind of the higher mind Mm -hmm. and to remind us the reader that, you know, that the the image that I have is if you have a, a beaker of water and you drop some ink into that water. The, the drop of ink doesn't just stay a deep blue in the center of it it spreads it diffuses throughout the the, the liquid in the in the beaker. He describes the energy of the universe in mean the whole universe its wisdom, its power, its energy its creative force as being evenly spread throughout the universe. Well that includes me so it means that I am connected directly I am not just connected to I am a part of that universal energetic, field and 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 he talks about creating just remembering that so you you don't need to know how to do something but just knowing that you can do it is all that you need and i just the book has just been uh, just been so enlightening and it's, I don't think it's, that it's not written as a mindfulness book, but just having those, those reminders and these great stories that he tells. I really, I really en- I'm really enjoying reading that at the moment. Oh, that's great. Bob Proctor is one of my mentors. I really, really admire him. Well, interestingly, like, so I'm reading the two books, The Untethered Soul and, and The Art of Living at the moment. And they're written by very different authors of a completely different yeah. purpose. Yes, But they, they just support one another wonderfully. Uh, so, I'm really enjoying. Sometimes I don't know which one to, to read or listen to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: a few pages of each. Right. Can you share an app of any kind that helps you in your mindfulness?
0: Yeah. So, the app that I have on my phone is called Think Up. I don't know if you're familiar I'm with not. Think Up. No. So, what Think Up is fantastic for is is yeah. affirmations, so declarations. So, you talked about mindset at the beginning and being a mindset coach. Well, if we can get people to upgrade, their mindset, um, which to me is also about shifting the subconscious beliefs, then people can start to create create a, a very different life for themselves. Um, so I use I use the app called ThinkUp um, every day. So I, I've recorded my own affirmations. Um, it puts them to music. You can randomise them. It has a timer. It's a really nice piece of uh, nice really, really nice piece of software, and I use that every day um, before I've got out of bed, I've listened to that for at least 15 minutes. Um, and it has a reminder in the evening as well. I don't always listen to it before I fall asleep, but that's a really great app also. Simon,
1: how can Mindful
0: Tribe connect with you, learn more about what you do? Well, I have a website, um, which is simoncrow.com. Um, there's a connect page, so people are very, very welcome to, to join that and drop me an email. Um, but what I'd really like people to do is to connect with me and tell me what their biggest idea is. Tell me what their wildest dream is. Because if, if we can help people connect with what it is that they really would love to, to create, if anything was possible, then I think we can start to have a really great conversation about mindset, about mindfulness, about the ability to create the things that we want rather than the things that we know how to create. Yes. Um, so I'd love that. And I also have a, another website called TheBigIdea.com. And that, uh, sorry, the big idea dot space. And that talks about my work in Liberia. And if people want to come along, then they can do that. Oh,
1: sounds exciting. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Simon. Really appreciate it. It's been wonderful talking to you, Bruce. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, have a great rest of your day. Bye now. Thank you. Bye bye.